0: The scripture reading this morning I'm going to be reading uh, from Colossians and we're going to be hearing from chapter 3 and verses 1 to 11 and the heading is one with Christ in glory Christ's resurrection is your res- resurrection too that is why we all yearn for all that is above for that's where Christ sits enthroned at place of all power honor and authority yes Feast on all the treasures of the heavenly realm, and fill your thoughts with heavenly realities, and not with the distractions of the natural realm. Your crucifixion with Christ has severed the tie to this life, and now your true life is hidden away in God and in Christ. And as Christ himself is seen for who he really is, who you really are will also be revealed, for you are now one with him in his glory." Live as one who has died to every form of sexual sin and impurity. Live as one who has died to the desires for forbidden things, including the desire for wealth, which is the essence of idol worship. When you live in these vices, you ignite the anger of God against these acts of disobedience. And that's once how you behaved, characterized by your evil deeds, but now it's time to eliminate them from your lives once and for all, anger, fits of rage, all forms of hatred, cursing, filthy speech, and lying, lay aside your old Adam self with his masquerade and disguise. For you have acquired new creation life, which is continually being renewed into the likeness of the one who created you, giving you the full revelation of God. In this new creation life, your nationality makes no difference, nor your ethnicity, education, nor economic state status, They matter nothing, for it is in Christ that means everything, as He lives in every one of us. Amen. I always feel that when you get a reading like that, it almost makes me think that really, Jeremy, the best thing you can do now is to sit down, because when you get the majesty of those words, it's almost as though they they should be allowed to stand alone. So it's a bit of um, in uh, humility that I'm going to expand a little bit on what we've heard this morning. I found it very interesting that when you were playing the music this morning with the Kindred Souls, there was that bright light that was shining on the Bible. And I'm going to be talking a lot about light this morning. The message is partly, in fact, possibly all, testimonial. Some of you know me, some of you do not. So it's a very convenient time to say that my name is Jeremy. My last name is hyphenated. It's Wentworth Stanley. And I have a young lady who's doing some work for me and getting a website. And she came off with this brilliant uh, comment where she said, the hyphen is silent. He is anything but. (laughs) So you got me. With this in mind, what I want to do is give you a little bit of testimony, which is, that I am in the throes of writing a book. I was in business in the financial world for 50 odd years, and therefore I thought, well, it's not a bad idea to write a book, which I started to do. And when it came to the question of prospecting, which means getting new business, that's not prospecting in the mining sense, but prospecting where we're looking for new business, I knew that one inside out. I had given courses on it, I was well educated in everything, And I knew, if any of you are computer-minded, I knew that in 45 minutes flat, I could speak into the computer and the chapter would come out. And that would be it. Aren't I clever? Well, that was about six months ago. That 45 minutes has gone on for a very, very long time. And I believe that God has put these thoughts, these words, these ideas together. And I'll tell you the reason why I think that, first of all, It's turned upside down, everything I knew for 50 years. Didn't we just get that in the reading in Colossians, that what we were is gone, and in Christ, excuse me, in Christ we are the new creation. So in that sense that we're the new creation, I pray that I'm bringing you this morning words of newness and creativity. The interesting thing is that when I started working on the subject of prospecting, I knew full well that all I had to do was explain how you do it and so on. And what I realized was when I looked up the word prospecting, it's actually got a bit of a Latin origin in it, spectrum, which is where we get spectate and it's all to do with looking and the light and so on, so that we now have this world where we're full of light and we're now looking around. And in looking around, I've come to one serious conclusion. This is possibly the most important part of it all. What I was trying to do was, frankly, commercial. It was how you do business. I find it fascinating that it's not only true, I believe, commercially, but it's true spiritually. In other words, the rollout that God has given me is one that combines and melds together and integrates that what we do in our commercial business world is totally mirrored in our spiritual life and vice versa. And of course, that's how we were created. The Garden of Eden wasn't created to have separation from anything. It was entirely to do with togetherness, communion, coming to God, coming to Jesus Christ. That was the whole message behind the Garden. So that when I found that this message was one that was working commercially and spiritually, I think it's very important because The business we're in, of course, is to propound the word of God, but we're also in the business of bringing people to God. It's what, you know, in Matthew's gospel, it says, you know, go and tell everybody. Go and make disciples of everybody. And it's not an easy thing to do. And here's the problem. The world today is full of targeting. It loves to target you. Anybody who's on Facebook... We'll look some... Anybody here on Facebook by any chance? Yeah. If you go onto Facebook, have you ever noticed you see an article on lawnmowers and a day later you get an f- advertisement about all the latest lawnmowers? You're being targeted and it's going on and on all the time. The politicians do it. They target their market. They talk about us being the target market. Targeting is actually very crude. It's very uh, militaristic. It does something else, too, which I find injurious, and that is you say, that's my target, so you go like that for the target. What have you left on the side? Who knows what you've left on the side because you often don't see it because you're so targeted. The principle of what we're talking about this morning is drawing alongside other people. We need to be the parable for Jesus Christ. Because the parable means to draw alongside. Para means alongside. Ballo is where we get the word ball. To, to throw something along. If you're walking along the road and somebody throws a ball and it goes past your foot, what do you do? You stop, you pick it up typically, and then you look to see where it came from. We need to be the parable so that people can know that we have come from God and our destiny is Jesus Christ. Does anybody have any discussion about that? Good. So, moving on, there are three components to this concept of drawing alongside people. Now, I know one or two of you are going to say to me afterwards something like, Jeremy, you covered far too much territory, which is true. I am going to cover too much territory. But what I want you to do, please, in the world of business, there are different people doing different things, are there not? Somebody's in manufacturing, somebody's in servicing, somebody's in advertising, whatever it is they're in, there's all different parts to the puzzle. And we, and it's totally biblical, we are different parts of the body. The head of the body is Jesus Christ. We are the different parts. The only difference in our parts is that we are functionally different. We're not hierarchically different. Meaning, in other words, my little toe is no superior or junior to my little finger. Functionally, they do different things. So when you hear all of this stuff being rolled out this morning, you might say, well, that doesn't really affect me or it's not really in my corridor. God bless you. Because God knows which part of this message is in fact destined and applies to you. So if you find it too far-reaching, forgive me, but it is something that brings all together this concept of how do we draw alongside the world to bring them to Jesus Christ. The first thing is is what you might call one's attitude, one's psychological, how one feels ready to go into this battle. And my word, it is a battle. You know, Ephesians say that we are putting on the armor of God. We're in a battleground. And you look in the world today and all the stuff that's going on, and I'm not just talking about the horrors of the Ukraine. I'm talking about the way that Christians are being vilified, that Christians are being persecuted and repressed. And I'm saying to us, no, we're going to draw alongside people and show them the real Jesus Christ. Amen. 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 So with that in mind, there are three parts to how we need to be. And the first one is, you you may not know this because I've got the uh, printed order of service. I printed it this morning in my office in the barn. I thought you'd be interested. I got a rude note from Jen, which said, if you, want to know the, if you want this, make sure you print it out. So I printed it out. And the subject, in fact, the title to the message is prospection. And that's a word you've never heard of. Prospection means the act of prospecting, the actual activity of doing it. And prospection is divided into three areas. The first one is inspection. This is entirely biblical. We are required to look inwardly. Doesn't God say, or didn't Christ himself say, I don't care what you look like on the outside. It's the inside I want to look at. So it's totally in keeping with Christ's principle that we need to look within ourselves. And sometimes we get caught up in this sort of this thing about, well, I don't want to be too ego something or other. You, me, we are the most beautiful creations imaginable. We have a soul. We have mind. We have body. We can do extraordinary things. We are created in God's image. So it's entirely correct to have a look inside to find out what's going on. And when we look inside to see what's going on, there are two things I recommend. One is to draw up a list of the things that we do that are actually injurious, or destructive, to relationships with other people. I tried this with my list of the things that I do that are injurious to relationships with other people and the number 1 item was pompous. <laughs> the trouble is I'm proud of it. But you can understand identifying these things that get in the way of relationships and particularly when it comes to Jesus Christ is very very important. And once it's been identified, we have one extraordinary blessing And that is that we can present that deficiency, that defect, to the cross. We just take it there and just say, here are my deficiencies. Lord, help me, please. I also need, in recognition of what God has done for me, draw up a list of the things that I'm successful at building up relationships with other people. If you, we get very caught up on don't think too highly of yourself. Do you remember your mothers and nannies saying that to you? Did anybody here have a nanny? <laughs> Excuse me, I had a nanny. I might as well tell you this, she became a nanny, well she was my nanny, and when she left, she, you'll never, never guess where she ended up. Ross knows this. She ended up for a month being nanny to Donald Trump. <clears throat> let, me, let me carry on. So anyway, but we're told not to think too highly of ourselves. Mr. Trump, Um, but if you're going to think highly of yourself, do so through the filter of Jesus Christ or through the filter of God. You know, the incredible things that we can do. This morning, you got here. Think of how you got here. It's quite incredible how you got here. You know, you had in one hand a cup of coffee. In the other hand, you had a door handle. In the other hand, you had a steering wheel. And you think of all of these things that we bring together. There is no, no other sentient being that competes with the human being. And we should be very proud of what we have been given and what we are. And get these things out there so people can recognize the soul of humanity. It's beautiful. And then when we've looked at ourselves through those two filters, we then go to another place which is called retrospection. And I'm going to embarrass somebody today. Retrospection is the ability to look backwards over all of the people who made this possible not just the church but you your life your careers your love your relationships but all the people in the background who actually have brought us to this point point. one or two of you might say nanny nanny used to have me sit at the side of the bed and pray every night so you know we've got all these backgrounds and all these people that have brought us to where we are and i want to give you one other piece of testimony and i know i'm with friends here Many, many, many years ago now, I was, I'd had too much to drink, I'll just put it that way. And I was out there being extremely funny, at least I thought funny, and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And the individual who was the object of all of this, if you will, or associated with this, was none other than Ross Kamplin's father, Bert Kamplin. And Bert turned, listen carefully. In the midst of all of that stuff, the, you know, the alcohol, the bad language, and all that stuff, Bert turned to Ross and said, he will make a very fine Christian. The Lord. Amen. Thank you, Ross. You don't often get a chance to thank somebody in your background, do you? Then there's the other part. We've talked about inspection, retrospection. And there's another word that you've never heard of probably called extrospection, and that is, what do we look like from the outside? In other words, how do people see Jeremy? How do people see whoever it is? How do people see us? And the key to that point is this. The reason we need to know how people think of us is it's all part of the building block of the church. If you think about what we've talked about, we're looking to say, how do I become a parable for Christ? So first of all, I'm looking within myself and trying to clean out the debris and trying to profile what I'm good at. Secondly, I'm looking at my relationship with Christ in the sense of being so mindful. He was the one who got me out of Egypt. And then thirdly, the fact that I have these talents that I've been given. I'm part of the body. I have a mouth. I have a brain. I have a hand. I have whatever it is. That enable me to go out and be the parable for Christ so that's the sort of the psychological background and then you say to yourself well that's pretty good but we need some light in what we're doing and as I said to you before some of this is going it sounds like I'm hopscotching from one subject to another but I want to touch on the business of light because in the business of light I need to shine the light of Jesus Christ Now, to shine the light of Jesus Christ, if you go to your physics books, do you ever remember looking at light that went through a prism? Do you ever remember that? And you shone the light through the prism and out came all these gorgeous colors, the red, the orange, the yellows, the blue, the indigos, and the violets. stands for Roigbev. Do you remember that, Melinda? Hmm? Do you? Yeah, Melinda remembers that one the colors of the spectrum, the colors of the rainbow. I want the light of Jesus Christ to flow through me so that those brilliant colors can be out there. For me to have those brilliant colors shining, my prism needs to be in the right place. And the only way that I know to have the light of Jesus Christ shine through me is at the cross. Because at the cross, the light, the power, shines through to a resurrected Jeremy, a resurrected Ross, a resurrected Sam, a resurrected Sally. We're all resurrected. We were crucified in Jesus Christ. We're risen in Jesus Christ. And the light that shines through us is the light of Jesus Christ and the power of that light. Do you want that light to be intense? Do you ever have that feeling of, yeah, I know Jesus is shining in my life, but I want the real power to to shine through. And if you have ever had that, It's a combination of your prayer life and the invocation of the Holy Spirit. We ask the Holy Spirit to shine this light through me so that those colors can then be dispatched to the rest of the world. But I want to throw one nasty at you, and nasty at me. If you look at a rainbow, it's made of all these beautiful colors. If you look at a prism, it's made of all the, the light coming out. is beautiful. If one of those lights... The red fails. The whole spectrum fails. And so it's actually in Colossians. We are the fruit of the Holy Spirit. It didn't say fruits. It says fruit. So the snag is the fruit of the Holy Spirit is the love and the joy and the peace and so on. But the snag is if one of those doesn't actually shine through, it does great damage to the others. They might even disappear. So we need this spectrum to be on on brightness all the time. And the only way I personally can do it is to be at the cross. And the next thing I want to lead you with is, we've talked a bit about my psychological, if you will, my spiritual framework to address the parable. Then we've talked about the light that needs to shine through to the other people. I want to take you lastly to one other area, which is if you've ever been on a train trip and the, you're going across Canada, and you get to Battle Creek, uh, not Battle Creek, where am I thinking, but somewhere in Manitoba, and the voice comes over and says, um, we're going to stop here for two hours. And they say, the voice that continues, please feel free to get out and stretch your legs. You know that kind of situation? And what's fascinating is you're in this train compartment, You get out onto the platform and when you get out onto the platform, you go up to somebody and you say, how are you enjoying the trip? Now, the fascinating thing is that's the same individual that was sitting in the compartment with you that you never even spoke to. Have you ever been in a compartment where you never actually speak to anybody? And that is something that we, in a Christian context, need to break out of. But what we need to be able to do is this. When you got off the train and you're walking on the platform and you go up to the other individual, the classic question is, how are you enjoying the trip? Perfectly fair question. A person will typically say it's wonderful, beautiful scenery, great, great meals, whatever it is. We need to go to our fellow Christians and people who have come into the relationship with Jesus Christ. We might not have spoken to them for a while but I can go to each one of you and say, how are you enjoying the trip? How are you enjoying the trip? Anybody care to answer? Anybody want to tell me how they're enjoying their trip with Christ? Like a roller coaster. (laughs) Yeah. Peaceful. The roller coaster is very much to do with where the enemy has come in to seek and destroy. The fact of the matter is, we were never intended to be volatile beings. If we go to the Garden of Eden, it was entirely to do with us having dominion over the plants, the life, and so on, and to be in communion with Jesus Christ or with God. One of the most fascinating questions in the Garden of Eden, in fact, it's God's first words that are ever spoken to humanity. He says, This is after they had messed up, and they're hiding in the bushes. They know they've done wrong. And the voice says, where are you? And the reason, of course God knows where you are. Of course he does. But he's asking you and me where we are, because when we answer the question, then we can identify with him what steps we need to take to get back on track. So I think when we have a volatile experience with Christ, The answer is also to be able to say to him, just like they do in the Psalms. Have you noticed in the Psalms, they're very volatile. Psalm 22 is all about the horrors and anguishes of life, and it's even quoted at the the cross by Christ himself. And then you get Psalm 23, which is that beautiful invocation to the the valleys and to the shepherd and, and the salvation that's available to us, so that... This expression of volatility is absolutely in keeping with scriptural principles, and I'm recommending that when we're in the downs, we go to Christ. And we go there with prayer, and we go there in the full recognition that he is giving us all the tools, all the prospecting, all the inspecting, all the retrospecting to be able to be very successful parables for Jesus Christ. Amen. Lord, we've heard your words this morning. We pray that they were your words. We pray that your Holy Spirit is now allowing the words to sink into us, that they become the new seed that will multiply a hundredfold over. And we pray that this will be the beginnings of a magnificent church built to your honor and glory across this beautiful nation. We pray this in one name, Jesus Christ. Amen. I'm going to break ranks here for a moment, please. I'd like to expand on our prayers this morning. Many of us are coming to the table this morning with hearts that are heavy. We ask you, Lord God, to lighten those hearts. We're aware of a ton of problems in the world. Lord God, we know one thing for certain, that it is in you is the solution, that we humanly are too weak and too defective to be able to resolve the difficulties. We're aware of people who are struggling with all kinds of sickness. We're thinking of people who are suffering terrible pain from cancer and other diseases. We're aware of people who have lost lives, lost family, families, members. We're aware of people who have great concerns for their children, have concerns for their parents and their grandparents. Lord God, we bring these to you in one name, one heart, one spirit, one truth that you are the way and the truth and the life. And Lord God, we know that we came to you this morning to glorify your name and that it's in your glorification that you have given us the right to come to you with our special needs and requests. And Lord, now we're going to take a moment to reflect on all that you are for us and to ask what we can do for you. Amen. I think the song is once again. Yeah. Take the
1: stand and sing, sing with us again. christ i think upon your sacrifice you became nothing poured out to death for many times i wondered at your gift of life i'm in that place once again yes i'm in that place once again and once again i look upon the cross where you died humbled by your mercy, and I'm broken inside. Once again, I thank you. Once again, I pour out my life. But well, now you are exalted to the highest place, King of the heavens. For one day I'll bow, but for now Marvel at your saving grace I'm full of praise once again Yes, I'm full of praise once again Once again I look upon the cross where you died I'm humbled by your mercy and I'm broken inside Once again I thank you Once again I pour out my life Thank you for the cross, my friend Thank you for the cross, thank you for the cross Thank you for the cross, my friend Well, once again, I look upon the cross where you died I'm humbled by your mercy and I'm broken inside Well, once again, I thank you Once again, I pour out my life Well, once again I look upon the cross where you died I'm humbled by your mercy and I'm broken inside Well, once again I thank you, once again I pour out my life